Welcome to the Home Lab Show, episode 120. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. And I figured, you know, it's been out for a little while and it's gotten better. And we're not yeah. just riding hype trains here. Uh, we are talking about ways you can actually use this in your home lab. And we'll talk about that a little bit in this episode. And uh, first thing we do want to announce is, one, we still need a sponsor. Uh, we got to figure that out on our back end. Me and Jay are really good yeah. at creating videos, and we're trying to get better at some of the business side of YouTube or creating content. So. Yeah, it's it's funny how we could just be so, you know, deep We're hyper-focused on creating creation. and delivering. <laughs> yeah, we're focused on that. But then when it comes to, like, I don't know, we, we just haven't even tried to get a sponsor. So it's not like we're... <laughs> we've never like we haven't had we haven't even like emailed anybody or, or anything yeah. because it's like we have so much fun with the content that it's it, hard to pull us away from it and we're hoping that by saying something someone will go hey i like these guys and i'd love to sponsor them and then we don't have to do any more work but i have a feeling we're gonna have to do right. some work so what you our little ramble here was the uh insert ad read that was where you would have heard it <laughs> yep yep so, we appreciate everything that akamai has done uh, there's yeah. just no hard feelings we still use them because we always and this is a good um example of this because as of today akamai is not a sponsor of of even my channel however i still use them because when i say that i actually use the things that sponsor the channel i mean it i'm literally still using them so um, their channel, uh, their YouTube channel, I think hit over a million view or subscribers at this point. So um, I think they're just flourishing right now. But uh, we appreciate everything. And, and yes, we do use the things that sponsor us. And the fact we still use it, um, Akamai is a example yeah, of that. We're so. still hosting it. And they, they make a, they, that's yeah. why we like them as a sponsor. They just made some changes internally. Um, and I realized I posted this and it said PM. Let me make oh. sure there's not a second. It should be this. Yeah. We're live now. There's not another one coming up at 11 uh, p.m. Just for people in, that were wondering or seeing the notice go out. It's, it, yeah. So you, this is the live show. There's not a second one at 11 p.m. Me and, me and Jay are less coherent at 11 p.m. to accomplish tasks. Exactly, but it's like, why are they so discombobulated? We really do enjoy making content so much that it's, we're, um, it's we love our job and it's, it's hard. It's a 12-hour live stream. We're going all the way till yeah. All right. <laughs> we should probably do that one day anyway. Yeah, we will. We will do a late night one, maybe one time. I've done some of my vlog Thursday ones late. But um, speaking of one more topic of Linode, and we'll cover a little rata before we jump into the AI topic. Yeah. Um, I am upgrading my forums. They've been on DigitalOcean for a while because I didn't want to move them. It's, yep. There's a lot of steps involved. And then I didn't want to disrupt anything, but I've to the point, and for those of you listening, I don't really have an easy way because I don't collect people's email addresses or anything. I don't have a way to mass announce a downtime easily. Uh, right. It would, I mean, I could, I think there's a way I could probably mass email people, but I don't know that that seems like a good idea to send out. There's like 6,000 people in there sending out 6,000 yeah. emails to let people know the forums will be down by a half hour roughly while I switch them. This is going to take about a half hour to flip it. It doesn't seem like the best yeah. use of 6,000 emails. Well, the only thing, I mean, this is kind of like a side topic that I, I don't, we don't necessarily need to go, you know, another episode topic, but I'll just mention some of this real quick because when I say DNS is a challenge, everybody knows that, okay? <laughs> yes. but, but specifically, it's some things are harder to be graceful because of DNS. So if you have yeah. to wait for DNS to flip, before you finalize a migration of one thing to another that prevents it from being seamless. Now, um, there's other things we can do, like have a temporary 
you know, $5 a month instance that literally just has Apache on it with one static HTML page that says under maintenance and flip DNS to that first and to let everybody know, but then you still have to flip DNS to the final right. version and disrupt everybody because at some point that switch has to be made. And then when you're dealing with Let's Encrypt, you have to be able to authenticate the site, obviously. But to do that, if it's a DNS challenge, you have to have that That's done first, which means people are going to get downtime. Now, obviously, there's ways to architect this. So nobody has downtime. And yes, we do know that. But yeah. the amount of work that takes versus how little work by exactly. comparison, the migration itself takes, it's like, it doesn't, it's hard, you know, to justify that extra time making content. So if you guys are listening live and there's downtime in the forums, well, now you know why. It's like I said, it's got to be doing it the DNS way because, you know, building a seamless failover system to avoid a potential of up to 30 minutes of downtime. And the problem with putting a display page, like someone had suggested, is the DNS is the problem. Some people, while I'm waiting for the Let's Encrypt certificate to point at the right place, are going to get an invalid cert. <laughs> and yeah, I think I need to have error. a... Yeah, so you'll have to yeah. click an invalid cert error to see that the uh, site is in maintenance mode uh, with the announcement. That's and and depending on how it propagates. So because it's going to hit certain servers first, it's I don't know when it's going to hit you, individual user, when it hits your DNS server. What if you were in the forums and you have a cached copy of it? The TTL right. says it's only going to last, you know, some amount of time, but maybe you've modified it or your caching's modified and it's going to take you longer. So there's these are the nuances of the back end of things. <laughs> yeah, it, DNS is complicated. Like somebody mentioned in the chat room, you could just cut the time to live down. Yeah, and that, that helps. That helps, but it's still, even if you drop it down to five minutes, there's still people that are going to hit it within five minutes. So so yeah. it's, 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 I mean, it can be 100% of some cloud platforms because they have some, you know, services plus, as I call them, where they get a service like DNS or certificates that you could get anywhere, but they have additional features on it that right. um, can help with that too. But it's one of those things where it's like over-architecting versus just get it done and, you know, people will be, uh, we'll forget it ever happened anyway. Mm -hmm. um, one more little piece of errata here that I think is worth mentioning because me and Jay talked about this last night. And uh -huh. Jay still has a great series on Proxmox. And I have been updating my series on XCPNG. So for those of you, and I know it's really popular in a home lab, but if you didn't know, just the other day, uh, one or two days yesterday. I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before. It's all blurred to me. Uh, VMware has officially, not like these back channels, like rumored, but officially killed all their free version of their software. They've eliminated the ISO downloads. Yep. And we know this is going to uh, be big for the home lab people going, now what? And, you right. know, once they started killing off the licenses, the free licenses, the perpetual licenses, and the home lab licenses, now we're all gone as well. The downloads are all removed. People are going to go, what do I do now? And, right. you know, Jay's team Proxmox, I'm team XCPNG, but I think both of these are solid home lab solutions. So whichever one makes you happy, because my frequent you know, response to people when they start going, well, why don't you use this one? And I'm like, I've got a video explaining why, but if you don't like my reasons, that's fine. Use what makes you happy. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you there's only one choice. I'm telling you it's a beautiful market when there's multiple choices for things. <laughs> there's a really hard choice between XCPNG and Proxmox. And I, still maintain this to this day. I like both. Just because I have a bunch of videos on Proxmox doesn't mean I'm team Proxmox and Tom is team XEPMG. Right. It's not like that. Um, I honestly feel like you, if you want a solution, you can flip a coin between the two. Whichever one you land on will serve you well. They're, yeah. The pros and the cons make them, in my opinion, completely even. 
Yeah. And someone brought up because there are, there is a free offering by Nutanix and I, that's a free offering, but I, I think there's no sane choice to choose. It doesn't seem like a sane choice because Nutanix is also a large closed source, publicly traded company. And matter of fact, they're so small that if they became a nuisance to the VMware uh, path of destruction that Broadcom has put them on, they could just buy them. Matter of fact, I realized uh, looking it up, Nutanix, even though they're publicly traded and they are a big company, they are a pocket change to the size and scale of Broadcom. So if Broadcom wanted to swallow them, you know, they could. So uh, that's right. thoughts on Nutanix because that has been popping up a lot because like now now that the rubber has hit the road so to speak and we know that well they've eliminated the free versions of vmware people seem to look for the other one and you know i, I think i'm preaching to the choir here i know the home lab audience is huge and self-hosted huge on open source and it gives you a better decentralized working model where you're not dependent on these companies and the right. whims of their venture capital <laughs> Uh, overlords. <laughs> we'll just say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really sad about all the people that uh, before this happened, they, you know, like many people do in home lab, they set something up at home because they're using it at work. Maybe they want to get into virtualization if they're entry level, or maybe they want to do a career switch, or they just want to, um, you know, prepare for a certification or something like that. And I just kind of feel like there's going to be a lot of people that have this on their home lab for no other reason than they just wanted to learn it. And now they have a work and home lab decision to make, which is even worse. Yeah. And, and me and Jay are huge advocates and we're even going to be doing another show on Jay's channel about this, about owning your own media. That's uh, something that is upcoming as well. We also have some special guests coming on the home lab show that are all the same thing. I believe this is how we make a better internet. This is the old internet bringing brought back yep. to life. The, the older version of it, if you will, where we always had decentralized and self-hosted and not interdependencies on a lot of these companies, but yes, that is a, uh, I'm, as I know, I'm preaching to the choir on that, but that's also where ChatGPT, you know, it brought the whole AI models popular. But do right. you really want to give your data to a private company? And uh, the answer to that, to me, is no. And I'm pretty sure Jay agrees right. with me on that. Yeah. You wouldn't just upload all your data there. Although me and Jay certainly use some of the publicly available, uh, private, uh, publicly available private companies that do things like you know help us out with certain aspects of how we do our content creation. I, yep. I've certainly used the Taja AI system. I've talked about that before. It's a tool for creators that allow us to like create all the summaries of our videos and help you know, document and put little timestamps and chapters in. That's cool. And it's public information anyway, so I don't mind. But now let's talk about how can you self-host these? And this is what's kind of cool hmm. is I've been playing around with them a lot more. Now, it takes a lot to train a model. There's a lot of different costs I've seen thrown out there when you want to just pump these models full of data. But the good news is there's a lot more companies that realize, hey, if we open source these models, we get community participation. So even though the models may have been trained on these, and we'll get to the, how that works in a moment, but more importantly, they're completely once trained, usable to you to self-host in your own private system. And we're going to start with uh, one that I found extremely easy to set up, and that's the Olama system. It's essentially a framework to run a bunch of other ones. And I like that it's got a llama in it. <laughs> like <that's... laughs> I've had a llama, remember that? Winamp, what's that? Winamp, remember Winamp and oh, the Oh yeah, that, so yeah, you're right. <laughs> I just say, I just, I, I was gonna say, I aged myself. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but I'm starting to think it kind of was a while ago, wasn't it? 
Yeah. I mean, WinApp might still be a thing for all I know, but we used to love that software back in the day. And then they had a um, llama slogan or whatever. So that's always going to be a reminder. Yes. So currently, and I'm over on the Olama site right now. And by the way, I dumped a lot of links, including a lot of good YouTube videos that break this down, including one of them that shows you how you can run this on a Raspberry Pi 5. By the way, Ooh. Jay has a new video on a Raspberry Pi 5. And I think that's what is uh, really cool. I see someone else talking about local AI. I haven't tested local AI. But one of the cool things about the models that are out there is you have different models for different use cases. And one of the popular ones now has become, especially for those of you in the home lab, it might be the most interesting to you, isn't just a general one, but a more specifically tuned one. Now, the advantages of a tuned one is going to be obviously tuned and focused on what you want to do. So you've got the code llama. And the cool thing about like a code llama one, they're not going to take as much memory, doesn't take as much horsepower. And by the way, you don't have to buy a supercomputer to run these. That's why I brought up that first one about being able to run it on a Raspberry Pi. But this allows you to start figuring out what do you want? What's your use case? Is it you just want to have a conversation with it? Or do you want to dive a little bit deeper? Or you want it to be kind of your code assistant, but you don't necessarily want your code to be given to some of these third-party companies, not to mention the subscription you may need for it. So being able to run these uh, locally is great. Now we'll go a step further to something I think people really like is the fact that not only can you run them locally, they also have versions of them that are uncensored. And what that oh. means is if you uh, ask them to open the pod bay doors, they can't deny you. <laughs> they can't tell you that there's a rule that says this. This is something that's become really fascinating to me is that they've essentially take and modified the biases in them or removed some of their safety restrictions on them. And I think this is a really good step forward because it's not necessarily that I'm encouraging or suggesting that people are using it for nefarious things, but sometimes the safety parameters put around them may stop you from doing what you want to do, especially if you're working in malware research, you're not mm-hmm. trying to use it to hack something. You're trying to better understand security. And maybe if you ask the question, like what are different attack methodologies or what are some of the processes, or let me write some PowerShell code for this particular type of attack you're doing it as a learning experience so you can understand the code, understand the vectors. And of course, you're not going to be able to do this with the public facing ones. And I think that's a good place to start is with the Olama. If you're looking for like a really like one liner copy paste. And by the way, you can run this on your local desktop and then accelerate it. It even auto detects if you have an NVIDIA card so you can accelerate it because these will work without an NVIDIA card, without a GPU basis on this. So uh, getting started with this is actually that easy. It's kind of a copy-paste one-liner hmm. with the Olama model. And anytime you call up another model, you can then from there, um, it'll just go, wait, is this model installed? And if it is, great, it'll start answering questions. If it don't, it'll let you know how long it's got to download before that model's installed. By the way, as long as you got enough hard drive space, you can keep installing all the models and keep updating them. I think that's pretty cool too. You can grab them. It will also switch between them. So you can start instances of them and they've started modifying the API. And I don't know if this is fully released yet, but I've seen it in the announcements. So the API is compatible with, I believe ChatGPT now. They use the same API calls. So if you see a project that works already with like ChatGPT, it's easy just to point it locally. Um, I have not tested this, but people, you know, Copilot and things like that is out now for some of your, uh, writing, you can now attach it to your local models. And I think that's just a really uh, neat instance. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I've never actually heard about this until today. So yeah, I told us it's a rabbit hole I got sucked into, and I was so surprised with how well it worked. That's the part that really shocked me. Um, now to go a step further, I've left the links to like I said, all these things I'm talking about, I've left links to because I'm not an expert on it. I'm mostly and me and Jay wanted to intro all of you to this to kind of get started. It's a great place to start poking around. That's why there's so many GitHub links and uh, they all have nice installs. One of the other things that comes up a lot is how do I talk to my or look at my private data, my documents? Once again, there is a private document one where you can then point it at your documents and interact with them. Because maybe you've done a bunch of different research and you want to be able to pull or attract data from that research. There's a uh, private tool for that. And the one that fascinated me, and there's a this girl did an amazing video on it. I watched it. I have not tested it, but I will. I'm also thinking this is where a lot of people are going. It's a tool called uh, Crew.ai, and the concept is really simple. So to give you a little bit of an overview of the wonderful AI, I don't think AI is the. Uh, I don't get overhyped on it. I don't think it's a savior for all things. I don't think it's coming for everybody's job. But I do think right. it is a great assistive tool. For example, I use it for things like like regex. Uh, I've talked about this and maybe I'll do a video on how to use um, an AI tool to write gray log grok patterns based on logs. You know, I give it logs and I say, hey, let's go ahead and pull the uh, grok patterns out of this and write a copy paste so I can import it right into gray log. This is a great use case. So I think I find it to be a really good assistive tool. Well, that's where this whole uh, crew.ai system uh, comes in where each one of these GPTs, you you have to prompt them, essentially. And what prompting means is we're going to set the biases. We're going to tell them, hey, you're going to give me brief responses. You are an expert in coding or you're an expert in bash. It actually helps to tell. It's like you got to give an AI a confidence booster. <laughs> you're like, you're going to be an expert. You're going to give me short descriptions of things. You're going to answer with code. I don't need explainers on the code. Or, or you can say, give me long explainers what each one of these code functions mean. By the way, when you write the code, put all the code comments in there so I can understand it later. However, you want to prompt them. Now, what's yep. really cool about this and where their crew AI that I mentioned here comes into play. And it's the idea that you have to prompt each one, which makes them good at a task. Then you have to start the prompt again. Crew AI is a really cool tool, and it can be pointed at these local ones where you can string that together. You can create a prompt. So you prompt the first one with a certain input, like you're an expert in these type of decision-making. Here's the data I want you to process. Then you connect the output of the first GPT with its prompt to a reprompted new version, or maybe in a different GT. He has a different level of expertise, a different prompt. You take the output of one, you chain it to the next, and you do this again and again until you get a better decision. So you have, it's kind of like putting a, a team of people together that have different levels of expertise to try to come to a better decision. I just think that's a really fascinating use case. You're like, wait, we're going to pipe it through here. It's kind of like you we always joke and there's a million of them and memes about a full stack developer and they're always good at back end. They're good at front end. You get a really pretty UI with a broken back end, or you get a really good back end with a looks like it was built like an engineer UI that you could barely call a UI. What if you could train one side of it to be really good at writing code and one side being really good at building pretty UIs. And because the biases are different, chain them together to get a better code output to develop your application. That's kind of the concept I'm working with it. It's it's really cool. It is. I, I like putting config files in there. Just, you know, obviously make sure it's stripped of anything that may have PIA. I don't know why anyone have PIA in their config files, but basically just find flaws, like put your SSH host config in there and like 
find an issue with this that someone yeah. might use to, to get into the server. Um, and depending, I mean, you might get something like very entry level depending, because I know there's chat GPT three, there's four, there's other ones like we're mentioning today as well. But sometimes just think about having another set of eyes and we can't, we can't have the mindset that, well, AI didn't find an issue, so it's flawless. No, right. it just means it didn't find an issue. But if it does find one, then we know about it. We could fix it. Yeah, and that's what's kind of neat. You can also do things and take a lot of the outputs you have and say, explain this to me and just drop those information in there. And what's nice is when you're doing this in a forum, you're always redacting. You're always like, oh, let me redact any private information because this was inside my home lab. Maybe there's some private data. Maybe there's some certificates in there and I'm worried about it. One of the advantages you get with self-host that worry goes away. I can just say, I don't know, take the output of these error messages, uh, pipe this log over to ChatGPT or my instance of uh, Olama GPT. Uh, what is the output of this code? I'm not understanding what this means. And you're not worried about revealing any secrets or any private keys, as Jay said, you may have in there. I think this is a, a really solid use case for the home lab. And it gets you started with less risk involved in terms of the risk of, oh no, I've accidentally uploaded um, an entire financial document to <laughs> to ChatGPT, and now everyone has a copy of it. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little embarrassing, but we've also seen API keys and version control before, so I don't know if anything surprises us anymore. Yes, that's a definitely a whole other challenge. Now, one more thing I want to talk about, though, is the uh, image generation. I've left a couple links to that, hmm. and also, if you look up uh, Nova Spirit Tech, I think I have his video in there as well. He's got a really good demo on YouTube of this. The image generation is going to really rely, if you want it to be reasonably fast at all, on your GPU. So you can run this locally. And I actually thought about setting up um, Docker on my local computer because I got a fast GPU I use for mostly rendering videos. But when it's not rendering videos, I could definitely create some images with it. There's some really fascinating tools that get you going with stable diffusion uh, in a very automated way to create all the images you want. And it's wild how well it works. It's something that if this wasn't a podcast, it's best demonstrated. If I set one up, I'm definitely gonna do a demo on it because the demo given by Nova Spirit Tech on the generative images just kind of blew me away with how smooth it was. Now, one of my staff actually set this up at work and was playing with it. I was impressed. Uh, they were training it. I think they tried to make me look like a Pokemon because they were training it on images of me and they combined images of a Pokemon. It it, it was kind of horrific. It was. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's. Um, but it was funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. That's kind of the nice thing is if you're wondering and you're looking for a project that might get your interest in home lab or just having these conversations with it, it's pretty cool. There's also uh, another project I love to link to, and I'm a, I'm a fan of some of his work. Daniel Messler his uh, he runs unsupervised learning. It's a good podcast. He talks about a lot of different things. And I think he might get sometimes a little overhyped on some of the AI things, but on the other side, I think his, uh, dedication to open source is top notch. So I've left a link to his new project. He's been slowly dumping on the internet uh, called Fabric. And it's something he's been building for a long time. He's wanted to put it all open source. And once again, it's one of those things like, because it's so customized to be personal to him, he's depersonalizing it much like Jay did with his installer to uh, bring that more public for you know, you, you know how challenging that can be. You're like, wait, someone doesn't always want a user J created on every computer you run this on. So, <laughs> but the uh, yeah. fabric 
one of the things I really like about it, and if you just looked at it as an open source project that you want to look at the prompts used, it's a way that, once again, you chain everything together from the command line. He's using a lot of chat GPT, but a lot of this, once again, can be pointed internally. But where it's really cool is the prompt engineering uh, that it does. He's even got one that looks at and summarizes security problems into a JSON format that he loads into his own database. So he has his own assessment of them. And he's all got that broke down in there. And I thought that was a really cool feature. Uh, he did an interview with David Bumble on it. And there's a whole video. I think David, David sometimes, I really like David, but I think he made that video a little bit you know, too clickbaity uh, versus mm -hmm. very technical and just getting the GitHub project and seeing how it works is much more technical and understanding uh, the code and how the code comes together and how it prompts it. So it's once again, another cool thing to play with uh, that kind of gets you moving on this and open source and it's completely self-hostable. <laughs> Self-hosted AI. That's incredible. Like, like the conversations we can have nowadays in tech. I mean, just years ago, it's just a different conversation. Yeah, cool. I, that's what really surprised me. You think of things like ChatGPT, uh, you know, because that's the one that really brought it to light and so how these models work as, oh, no, these companies, you're going to lock up this type of fun in some large corporate company that's going to only charge me a subscription and subscriptions, no matter how cheap hardware gets over time, subscriptions seem to go the exact opposite way. They seem to go up and to the right all the time. It's, oh, no, you know, hardware got cheaper. Hard drives got cheaper. It's never been cheaper to buy all the storage. Oh, cool. So my bill's going down. Oh, no, no. It's going up by 30% this year. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, it is. Yeah. Yeah. When it's I funny because it. that's a good topic to bring up. Wendell uh, loves talking about that. So when he comes on our show, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's going to be on very soon. So um, we have a number of guests and he is going to be, and I'm looking at my calendar right now. We have him scheduled for the very next episode. We'll have Wendell yeah. on. So that's pretty freaking cool. And then, of course, we're not done yet because we also have Veronica from Veronica Explains. She's going to be on, and I, I can't wait for that. Veronica is so much fun. She's, she, she kills it with the retro stuff. Uh, oh, definitely yeah. love it. It's always fun to have her on. That, that's really awesome. And then on the 6th, we have, and this is this little pending right now, the timing, but it looks like we'll have Techno Tim on the podcast on the 6th. So three episodes in a row, we're going to have a guest. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, we are we are loving all the different home lab. I, I think this is really we're, we're seeing such an uptick in home lab, the accessibility of uh, the hardware. You know, Wendell's been such a uh, push for this. I mean, look at even 45 drives. You got a big enterprise company that solves big problems and, you know, they're not going. We're just ignoring the community. You're like, how do we engage with the community? That makes me happy. Uh, I accept oh, yeah. a big announcement today. They're doing better on some dedupe stuff. Once again, Chris Moore engages with the community. Uh, I, I really like this. Even though enterprise may be where they make their money, they're bringing it back down. They, they're showing some love to the home lab people. So we're we're excited to have all these other people on there. I think this is the, it, it feels good. <laughs> I mean, being able, to, being able to host all this, being able to do all these things without just constant reliance on, oh no, you have to run this in, in AWS and cloud infrastructure and proprietariness. <laughs> yeah, proprietariness. Gotta, gotta watch out for that. Yeah. So those are uh, my thoughts on the AI stuff. I, like I said, it's a podcast, so it's hard to go real in depth on these because some of them are going to be very visual and walking through things. But I've left a lot of links in the show notes for you. Uh, this will send you down a rabbit hole and keep you busy till our next episode for sure. Because <laughs> there's a there's a lot of learning to do. And uh, even for me, it's, it's moving fast and it's been really fascinating to uh, play with all these. So... 
Absolutely. Yeah, we love it. This is this is uh, this is how we learn. This is how we pass our time. This is how we appreciate yeah. technology. And we love seeing all of you get involved in this. And uh, that's about it. Yep. Le oh, as always, uh, we should throw, I'll throw this up here at the end because <laughs> we always say send us feedback at the home lab show. We love hearing from you. Uh, we like doing Q&A episodes. So send us some feedback, send us your thoughts and comments and all that fun things or leave them in the comments. If you're watching this on YouTube, we try to respond to all those as well. Yep, absolutely. All right. And thanks.